The Athletic. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I think! Brilliant! And tame, and tame again. Break up the music. Charge a glass. This nation is going to dance all night. The biannual beasts of Sunday league opposition, the as yet unrecreated footballing sensation of 1990s goal compilation videos, the vinegary elbows of the fabled target man, the bafflingly mundane football questions from official social media accounts, the hyperbanter muscle memory of the average ex-footballer, and five-a-side teammates who refuse your invitation of back if you need. Brought to your ears by The Athletic, this is Football Clichés. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 172 of Football Clichés. I'm Adam Hurry and with me for this one is Charlie Eccleshare, not at Wimbledon today. How was it? It was great, yeah. I don't, is, is Wimbledon on your band list? I feel like you quite like Wimbledon. No, it's absolutely fine. Uh, oh great, always, yeah. Always been up for going, just never been too fussed with the logistics. Same as Glastonbury, really. Attracted to the idea, just can't be asked. Sure, yeah, yeah. Well, once you're there, it's, it's a magical land. And much like Glastonbury. How Andrew Castle out of 10 did you get? I mean, I'm always thinking in his voice and in those terms. So I, I think I probably did get pretty Andrew Castle's. Just constantly thinking a man who knows a thing or two and kind of crowbarring it in if I spotted anyone vaguely relevant. You have something to bring to the agenda before we kick off today's proceedings, I understand. I do. This is this is one of my favourite sort of offshoots messages related to the pod that I've ever received. This is from a friend of mine who messaged me yesterday saying, just listening to last Tuesday's cliches, your what a solicitor he was, by the way, prompted me to remember to send you my client testimonial on my work bio. And I, I've moved, this is all direct, <laughs> directly quoted, I've just moved the really this good bit. This is about bit. himself. This is about him. Right. Um, and he, you know, he works at a very well-respected law firm. This is from a client uh, This is making their testimonial about what he's like to work with. So it's, it's all directly quoted. Yeah, I've just moved... And it actually starts with the best bit, which is even more amazing, but so there's a bit of a reveal. Anyway, the, the testimonial writes, he easily and comfortably can be left in command of cases to achieve fantastic results in a wide range of matters. A Rolls-Royce lawyer to work with on trials. <laughs> which I, I just don't know. I mean, as he said, he's not really sure how that works, uh, a Rolls-Royce lawyer, but apparently he is one. Would make me feel safe. Um, yeah, if I, I mean, was what, being defended. What do you think the characteristics would be? That, I mean, is it kind of... Moves how, slowly it, but it, but purposefully <laughs> around the courtroom. That's what he said. He said, like, purrs around the courtroom. Yeah, costs shitloads. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Premium, very expensive. But, yeah, I think uh, I'm happy with it. Uh, you can let him know that I'm happy with it. Uh, Rolls-Royce of a lawyer. As I say, if you hired that, you'd feel safe. Mm. And, and you'd feel like you're in control. So I'm, I'm up for it. Um, the Rolls-Royce universe expands week by week. This week, though, for Mesut Harland dicks, 
We have the man who followed Tim Lovejoy on Soccer AM, the man who followed James Richardson on Guardian Football Weekly, and now the man who follows Lauro on Football Clichés. <laughs> Welcome to Max Rushton. How are you? Does, does that mean, you know, in a few weeks, I'll just be walking down the street and someone will just yell out of a van, you'll never be Lauro, you mug. Which was, which was a sort of reasonable, not infrequent occurrence of sort of 2010... 2011. And is, Adam, a, a huge slight on Andy Goldstein to have forgotten his one year I did on play around there. with the chronology yeah. a bit, I have to mm. say. Um, yeah, shame. Shame for Andy, but I... I no beef with him, so he's he's absolutely fine. But no, welcome, welcome to Fun Clichés. I feel like we can we can safely file you under just gets it, can't mm. we? Oh, that, I mean, looking at the selections, that is a just gets it written all over it. Mm, real cross section so. of the football clichés I mean, experience. I I really enjoy this podcast, um, and I was quite envious of this podcast that whenever whenever something serious slash important happens in football, you just say we'll let other people deal with that. Yes, and. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh, I'm probably going to have to do an hour on that. And then I can't spend, you know, I can't spend 65 minutes just talking about the Denmark shirt from Mexico 86, because that's just sort of not what our role is necessarily. And I don't, I, ref, I don't listen until about a week or two after, because I just feel there might be a crossover somewhere. And I don't, I don't want you to think, because we've had this discussion before, Adam, I think that we think we may have grown up in the same house and we just, <laughs> ne- we just didn't see each other for that whole time since all our references are almost identical. Yeah, shame. Um, so, so I try and save it, but I think you should be on it because I don't listen to a lot of football content because I do a lot of it and mm. I look, want to do some other things, but I'm, Fine. I'm, I'm very excited to be here. Well, please humour us for at least the next 45 minutes to an I'm hour. Sure. Um, but, but before we get stuck in, Charlie, I, I thought we'd got Max at a good time, a real zenith of his career. <laughs> but now, having seen the following video, I do fear we are post-shark jumping Max Rushton. We've got him just too late because Max Rushton is now doing new signing announcement videos. <laughs> Hello, Charlie Austin. Max Rushton here. Uh, you and Brisbane Raw fans might be wondering what I'm doing on this uh, Charlie Austin announcement video because I've now got a bit of a track record in Australia um, and I have connected with the public they wanted me to talk you through what they want you to say. So I've got it written down here. We just have a look at this. If you could start with something like, good morning, Brisbane fans, Charlie here. I can't wait to come over and get started and see you all soon. And then some kind of, like just some kind of thumbs up at the end. That'll be perfect. Thanks, mate. Morning, Brisbane fans, Charlie here. I can't wait to come over and get started and see you all soon. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, Charlie, I, I, every bone in my body wants to rip into this, but of course there's, there's an undercurrent, well, more than an undercurrent of irony there. He's really turning the this, this genre around on its head, isn't he, Charlie? I really like that, yeah. I'm, I'm disappointed I hadn't seen it. That's very good, and Charlie Austin seems to enter into the spirit of things. Well, I mean, in a way, I don't know if Charlie had it. Basically, I just got a text from someone just saying, Hi, I'm Matt from the Brisbane Roar. We've signed Charlie Austin. We know you've crossed part. I don't. I mean, I don't know Charlie Austin particularly well. I'll be brutally honest. But I, he came on Soccer M during the Glory years. In fact, after one, after when it, they got promoted, uh, Bobby Zamora in the last minute that that game at Wembley. That was also Soccer M's last show of the season, which was quite a drunken affair. And then we'd go and watch the playoff final, then the Champions League final somewhere, and then we'd all just get drunk and go home. And he, 
I was in a taxi on Shaftesbury Avenue and then someone bashed on the window to say, and I was like, who is doing that? It's like midnight. I was very tired. And it was Charlie Austin saying, do you want to come out? <laughs> you know? And I said, no, I'm far too tired. Leave me alone. But that's that's my only real connection with Charlie Austin. I don't know why. I genuinely don't know why Brisbane Raw wanted me. I don't oh. really have, I don't have any, I don't I have no link to the A-League at all. Whenever an A-League game is on, I'm on air. Like I'm either doing a pod or on talk sport, but I was happy. You can't say no, can you, if you're I- to do a, an I like the idea, Max, that they had a budget and they went after Fabrizio Romano first of all. Well, and actually, that was the wrong take. I sent them two texts, and the one I wanted them to use was oh. basically saying that they couldn't afford Alf Stewart or they couldn't afford. There was even more self-deprecation in that. I didn't like the track record line that was the one they used, but I didn't want to complain afterwards. Well, having been denied my first instinct, which was to rip the piss out of it, my my second instinct was just how Brisbane Raw is Charlie Austin and. Uh, when trying to weigh up the suitability of a football transfer, there are there are a few variables you have to, to bear in mind. There's, you know, mm-hmm. the sort of the, the latent things in your mind that that make that player that clubby. But when when an, when a British player moves to Australia, Charlie, all I can think of is can I picture them on BBC midday program Wanted Down Under with Nicky Chapman? sort of rotating their flags, deciding whether they really do want to indeed shift their entire family down to Australia. And I can see Charlie Austin on that programme very vividly indeed. I, th- I think he's uh, he fits squarely into just feels right for a, for a move to the A-League. Yeah. And I hope he does very well. So do I, so do I. I think he will do very well because it, there's, it's a funny, not that I watch a whole lot of the league, but what you need up front is a is a sort of aging English player. It's, it's normally Adam Lafondra. Yeah. I think he plays for every single A League team, as far as I can tell. <laughs> and then there's like there's like one really sort of either sort of old dirty target man Australian called something like Roy, and then there's like a mystical South American who's never played anywhere but <laughs> Australia, and that's the sort of front three. You're looking for two of those three, and he fits the bill. I think he, I think he could do very well. I think his early a-League st- sort of narrative arc, Charlie, will have to include as soon as possible an interview with him saying, oh, you know, the weather here, the kids love it. Mm. Um, the quality and, of life, of course. Yeah, and everything's cheaper here, you know? like, <laughs> But yeah, uh, I just hope he settles in. And uh, Charlie Austin, just my my mental image of what, I, of what a number nine should look like. So I, I really do hope he thrives down there. Can I say one, one A-League anecdote, which I don't have many, is yeah. every time you go to an airport, and I do quite a lot of Melbourne to Sydney because I live in Melbourne, I have to do the Champions League in Sydney. Sure. There's always an A-League team just walking around the airport. And like, I got to Sydney Airport after we'd done one of the games and I was sort of just wondering, and I thought, oh, there's Daniel Sturridge. That's funny. And like, I don't know Daniel Sturridge either, but I did once train with Bolton during, and I thought I should stop and say hello to, to Daniel Sturridge, right? So I stopped and he didn't really know who I was, oh. but we, we had a nice chat and he eventually, I sort of said like, I'm Max Rushton. Do you remember? I, I really, I really signposted who I was without mm. sort of handing a, a laminated card over. And then I had a long chat with him and like four people of which one person was really talking to me a lot. And I didn't know i never clue who it was and i had to go back and then sort of google the perth glory squad to find oh, out that i had been chatting to brad jones oh, for quite a, oh, for quite wow. a long time yeah and he was a lovely man but i i wanted to it felt at the time because we were sort of sitting at a benugo or something it felt at the wrong time to say I i'm sorry man i just i can't i know the face but i just can't <laughs> it just didn't work out like that 
So uh, my apologies to Brad Jones. Your your credentials for this podcast sealed <laughs> by the disdain with which you said Benugo there. So you're, you're in fine company. Like It's time for Meza Harland Dicks with Max Rushton. Max, tell us about your first fascination of football, please. Uh, so these are the things that I love, right? Yeah, I, sorry. I We've got, quite... We don't call them loves anymore for no All reason right, whatsoever. Okay. Um, it's not a necessary fascination. And I'm, I'm reticent to use the worst word in the English language. It's fine. Dave will bleep it out. Right, but but I need to say it because it's the only word that works, but I would like it to be bleeped out. And my first love is, 11 aside, has to be 11 aside, beating a team of absolute c- <laughs> and And it is, every team has one or two, right? And that's fine. And I I must, I have played for teams where I reckon the oppo have gone, he's, he's a c- and he's a c-. But like, normally there's just, when there's a fight... Right, and there's like a melee of sixteen people. You can turn to one of the opposition, going, "I don't know what they're doing." I great, what, a great moment. What are they doing there? I don't know. You know, like I just sort of chat about life a bit, or like at some point. But when you sometimes you come up against a team of like fourteen, and they're mm-hmm. all horrible. <laughs> and I, I distinctly remember one game where they were previously fine they had a a few and a few nice people and afterwards the same but there was just this one moment where their captain he you know when the the ref calls you over and you say hello and he said i am dave and you introduce yourself to the ref and the captain you have a little chat and the ref says look i'm on my own here if i'd miss an offside you know i like to let the game flow but you know i won't stand for any bad language please tell your teammates all that kind of stuff the opposition captain didn't he didn't acknowledge me right he didn't (laughs) shake my hand he didn't give me his name but he stared sort of at and through me a bit like like one of the nasty gladiators in the pugil stick <laughs> moment. And I just thought, this is what like, I'm, I'm sort of saying, hi, mate, how are you? And he was just absolutely like, and this was, this is, you know, this is intermediate division four south of the Southern Amateur League. You know, this is, it wasn't, a, it wasn't, it wasn't the game for this. And then it, it transpired they had this grizzled centre back, sort of skinhead, and, and, and at like a goal kick, he would just, like punch you really hard in the ribs, like not like not <laughs> wow. like jostling, not like jostling, like proper, just like real, real body shot, you know, <laughs> where you just be like, ow, and then I just <laughs> have to stand somewhere else. And he he just kept telling me he was going to kill me. Bloody hell! And then it was rolling subs, so I was like, okay, well, I don't want to be killed, so I just took myself off. Oh, nice. And then he'd take himself off to to. <laughs> To sort of come at me on the touchline, <laughs> so then I'd bring myself back on in a sort of weird sort of Benny Hill. IFAB haven't thought this uh, through, have they? No, yeah, they really they haven't. <laughs> but like we played them like two or three times, and they were a good team as well. And mm. then eventually we won a semi final at their place. And sitting in the bar, like it is, it's never, it's never been sweeter. That mm. moment of just sitting in their bar and just being like, we beat you, and you're really not nice. And and that centre back, after one game, I remember, and I may have conflated more than one or two games together, but so forgive me, he'd been literally punching me all game. And wow. then he did the classic full time, good battle, mate. And I was like, no, 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 that wasn't. That wasn't like a, it wasn't a good battle. It was just. You oh, you didn't even enter into the post match spirit of it. Oh, that's a shame. No, mm. no, no, oh. no, it wasn't on. I just, that wasn't very nice. Anyway, that is my, I'm, I'm, I'm putting that out. I'd like this to be discussed. Well, my first, my first thought here, Charlie, um, the scenario that Max has vividly painted here was quite a surprise to me. I never expected the unpleasantness to start straight away. I didn't think it would be innate. My my common experience of it is for the unpleasantness to kind of just emerge gradually over 90 minutes, usually aided by the by the sort of um, thrust of the game itself. I don't think I've ever experienced sort of... <laughs> 
instant pre-match unpleasantness. I, I know what you mean. It, it tends not to be that obvious. And I do... I mean, this is so prescient as well, or so well-timed, because on the weekend, we had our, our team folded after 12 years in, in February, and th this weekend just gone was our kind of farewell thing with people past and present. And in cliche style, my brother and I did like a pure Hurricanes 11, but also a Villains 11 made up of the people, the individuals who we most hated. And that would be things like the fat, bald goalkeeper, C-word from wow. X-Team. Mm. And, and they're really, they, these guys have really left a mark. And, but you're, I've had that exact same thing, Max, of I always try and do the thing of like, you know, get a bit of rapport going with your opposite number. And very, very occasionally, you'll just get nothing back. Mm. And, you know, you will do the whole... God, yeah, yeah, it's getting a bit spicy, isn't like it? Like Apollo like, Creed and Ivan Drago when they go <laughs> yeah. to touch gloves. They, oh, no, he's not having it. He's yeah, not having it you're very like, oh, no, he's actually backing up mm. the horrible behaviour of his teammates. I'm not really sure where I can go now with this. Well, it's, I think it's important, Max, to, to, to place these interactions in the landscape of our daily lives. Like, There are people you work with you might not like, you know, just generally speaking, and mm -hmm. you have to encounter them every day and they sort of gradually irritate you or whatever. But these... These 11-a-side foes, you'll see them twice a year on average. That's a very precise amount of time to see someone who mm. hates you slash yeah. who you hate. It's, is, is it about the right amount? I think it is, isn't it? Just to <laughs> yeah. top it up. And also then you don't know <laughs> if they're going to be back next season. Maybe that team has moved up to the threes or maybe like half the team have gone. And you don't know. And if you turn up and one isn't there, it's like it's so it's such a sort of relief. Because that captain mm. wasn't there for a, for a, after that one moment. Although you say you, you you know you haven't experienced this before a game has started, and I agree with you. Normally there's a bad challenge, and there's like okay now it gets, and then there's tit for tat, and you know the refs yeah. standing in the centre circle. His heat map is non-existent. <laughs> but we played once, and I've talked about this before, but away at Carl Shorten, where I wasn't captain at the time, but my skipper went up to shake their skipper's hand and their skipper had already put dog shit on his own <laughs> hand to shake. So like, you, like, okay, yes, it will end up with our captain having dog shit on his hand. But for, in order for that to happen, you've had to put it on your own hand. It's a very oh, strange behaviour. he behavior. doesn't care. That's, <laughs> he the, doesn't that's care. the level. And he was the same player who, and this has only happened to me once on a pitch. I don't know if it happened to either of you where in, in the dark arts, we're in centre midfield and I sort of got past him, which is very rare for me on a football pitch. And he inserted two fingers right up my bottom. And on the this move. Was a, on the move. I don't, I'm not fast. I'm, 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 I'm not fast. Through the shorts. And I was, I was honestly like, you've had all the, you know, tread on your toes at corners and whatever, yeah. like elbows in the net. Fine. I've had all of them. It was such a shock. Hmm. And I turned around. I was like, I, I mean, obviously it's sexual assault, right? But I turned around and I sort of said, fuck are you doing and he went and he said and this was this really... mid-insertion or was this after <laughs> it happened the moment right. it had gone right. and he went fleeting right, he, he said i mean you say fleeting in it, it, you say fleeting. it's left an impression it's like a lifetime for you uh, yeah, yeah it is he went he said an like, absolute classic football man he went you fucking love it man <laughs> i was gonna say there is no way he didn't do the yeah, yeah uh, you, you can't applaud that, Adam. And I and I was really proud of it because normally the moment has gone. Like you just go, oh fuck off, and then you just carry on running. But I just went, I don't. <laughs> and even if I did, 
now is not the time. I was really pleased with that. Anyway, after the game, in the bar afterwards, he just came up and went, oh, you know, he went, oh, sorry about that, mate. That's not enough. Yeah. That's not enough. It's not, It's not. you know, like the Larry David commensurate apology. or comm- That is mm. not a commensurate apology for what, you, what you've just done. I hate as well that whole culture of the like, as long as you afterwards say like, yeah, nah, sorry, mate. You know, it's yeah. like as if that excuses all of that stuff. It's like, no, just don't do that. Like that's yeah. not that's not okay. And the, and your sort of half baked apology. I'll, yeah. I'll be I'll be honest. This has got to a, a level I didn't quite expect. This um this section of the podcast. I, d- I didn't realise that you'd encountered such such horrible behaviour. But mm. I have to say these things can turn back on themselves. Charlie, right. I, I mean Max has obviously mentioned the moment after a game where you shake hands and, and it's deemed to be all okay. It was part of that sort of self-contained 90 minutes, but, uh, whatever, however Max feels about it. But there's a, there's a separate moment mid-game where this aggression can start to turn in on itself. And it's a great moment. And I was always, I always took great glee in being the one who signposted this for my teammates from my safe haven of centre-back, which was... They're fine amongst themselves. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. A great moment that, of Sunday League. Yeah. I love it when the other team fight amongst that, that, themselves. That, I love that. And there was one team we used to play in particular, and it would always be, if we can get another goal, they'll start They'll start to beat themselves. They'll start going. Mm. And yeah, it, it's inc- when you re- you reach that tipping point, you maybe go a couple of goals up, and they start blaming each other for you know who was to blame for conceding it. It's I, I had a player. I had a player who had such a short fuse, right? And he was and he was really quick and really good. And obviously, the level of whether you keep a player or not, but if they're violent, depends obviously completely on how good they are. It's not a level playing field. Like it's like you know, really great players can turn up a minute before kickoff. And I had to sit him down and say, look, you can't. If you were, if you start another fight, that's it. And the deal we got to, the only way we could make it happen is as soon as there was some sort of melee, I would shout at him and he would have to sit on the ground, cross-legged, fingers, fingers on lift, like lips like a primary school. Oh, I'm like, hey, you are not allowed to, I was, he was not allowed to do a slide tackle because he was always late and he wasn't allowed to, if we got involved in a melee, he had to sit on the floor, <laughs> however, however close it was. And it worked for a bit. And then it obviously, it was, it was, a, it was not a, a long-term measure but it was quite funny to see at the time that's a massively over-engineered way of, of steering someone away from trouble well done right um yeah but that that's a fantastic start to measure harland dicks tell Thank us you about so your much. second love of football please max this is mainly for you i mean you asked me to you asked me to Did do it? this one adam no, it was so, on your long list so it was on my long list because you asked it to be on my mm. long list but I, i'm very happy with it and it, it is really great goals VHS videos of the 90s. I don't mm. know if VHS video is saying the same thing twice, yes. but, you know, just goals videos of the 90s. Specifically, the one moment, and I can't remember the name of the goals video, but I had it, and uh, it is just the perplexing Barnes. And it was, a, it was a goals video. I think it was only World Cup footage, and it had this music, which hopefully you'll put in, but it went like, ding bing, bing, mm. bing, bing. Here we go. Let's play it while we talk. Oh, yes, do. Yeah, the, the video you're talking about, Max, is from Charlton to Maradona, the world's yes. greatest goals. And this really was essentially my childhood for about two years. And yeah. it sounds like it was yours as well. Here we go. Ding, 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 ding. Diddly ding. Actually oh. not that football at all, is it? It's a bit it's, plinky blonky. No, it's a bit plinky blonky, but it's just... Everything about it, this video is exactly, it's my childhood. It's when I, all I wanted to do was consume football, any football, all football, all the time, you know? So I had shoot and match posters all over my walls. I wasn't like 
I wasn't I didn't discriminate you know yeah. like John Ebrill would, <laughs> would be up next to Maradona like it was just whatever I could get my hands on and I must have watched this so many times and it's just the the England Argentina is probably the first game I really World Cup game I sort of remember I can't remember where I was I can't remember if I watched it live I've seen it so many times I've seen the highlights so many times that I can't even remember if I even watched it but in my mind I'm pretty sure I did and being so annoyed about the handball and so amazed about that goal even at sort of seven I could see that that second goal was really quite good but then us coming back into it and in the voiceover the perplexing Barnes is just it's just not an adjective I've heard of a footballer ever it's before really or since it's intellectual voiceover there's mm. there's um that, that, when Pele in the 1970 World Cup ran round the Uruguay goalkeeper yeah, and then shot narrowly wide, um, the narrator describes it as Chaplin-esque deception. <laughs> I was like, what does that mean? This is fantastic. Um, oh, oh, yeah, I wasn't getting that on sort of kickoff yeah. on, with, with Kevin Piper and Alan Brazil on, on, on Anglia <laughs> yeah. on a Sunday. But it's, you know, and, and I had a few of these. The, the, the Cambridge United ones of the late 90s, uh, or the early 90s, excuse me, are brilliant because... Obviously, they probably weren't expecting us to get promoted from Division 4 or Division 3. So they're quite hastily made. They weren't amazingly edited. Are you going to talk about John Taylor for the next five minutes, Max? No, because I'm going to talk about him in my third life. So <laughs> wait for that. <laughs> right. But I, I am going to talk about Owen Nurse, who was the commentator for the 1990-91 Division 3 title-winning season, uh, whose voice broke halfway through the season. <laughs> <laughs> And it's actually, I can't find this video anywhere. And no, not many people know this video at all. But there is just a moment in the season where suddenly it's Wrexham away. And previously, every single moment of the game has been a high-pitched voice. And now it's a deep voice. Yeah. It's obviously completely unreferenced. That's um, fantastic. Is he like 14 years old? I think he must have been. Yeah, he must have been about that. I don't know. Like, like I've discussed this elsewhere and like he's he gets in touch like he'll get in he's i don't know where he is now he's like obviously doesn't work in football anymore <laughs> and he's know. like he's like probably 50 but like absolutely stunning moment of of goals videos and i used to i used to make my own oh wow i had a i had a blank vhs in the video at all times and if ever there was some football i would just shove it in and press record and play and sort of make a, a sort of a, a medley of Transworld Sport, uh, Anglian News, Cambridge United, you know, all the You must really know your here. South American clausura from <laughs> 1991 then. Yeah, and Bobby Barnes missing penalties for Northampton uh, on a cricket pitch. I don't know where, I think they've been thrown away, but I would I'd give anything to find that. And, you know, St. Greavesy, obviously I was just recording yeah. the whole, basically I was recording St. Greavesy for about three years, but... Um, that is my offering. I had also had I had um, Jimmy Greaves World Cup Contenders 1990, <laughs> which is this was literally this was like filmed in a cupboard. Brian Moore asking Jimmy Greaves who he'd take to the World Cup, <laughs> and the shock when he said Steve Grizovic as third keeper. I, I, I can't remember who he overlooked. Would David Seaman have got in that squad? Was it was Shilton Woods and Seaman him, maybe. Ninety, yeah, arguably. arguably. Seaman or who was the third? It was Shilton Woods and another. Do you reckon it was Bessant? Maybe it was Bessant. Bessant but was the third keeper, yeah. For Seaman was, was injured, he pulled out and Bessant came in. Oh, that's um, excellent knowledge. Um, now, given the era that we're talking about here, Charlie, late 80s, early 90s, there, there is a danger that we could get very old football man about this and declare that you know things aren't as good as they used to be. But from a purely neutral perspective, I put it to you that 
kids these days, right? They don't have the equivalent um, sensation mm. of goals videos. The same, the same thrill doesn't exist in many other situations, like the computer games you used to play as a kid. There is a direct equivalent, a direct fulfilling equivalent now, and it's probably better if anything. The same does not apply to goals videos. The same thing is not packaged together. Even if you can see all the football you conceivably want to on YouTube, the same thing is not packaged together for your imagination to run wild in 2022. That's completely true. I I do agree with that. I think there's also now a kind of agony of choice element where you can just, you can search out whatever goals compilation you want. But what was so brilliant about those was that it was just presented to you often in this pretty random way i mean i remember have, i had goals 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 and save save saves interesting that you mentioned goals 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 uh listener scott sumner has sent in his definitive video of his youth which was goals 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 this was presented by andy gray in his boot room oh, and this good. is a great example of what i'm talking about the, the, the cover of the video charlie says 101 of the very best goals from the first season of the fa premier league now quick look at the Wikipedia page says that there was over a thousand goals that season so you're watching 10% of the goals that season that's the right ratio isn't it <laughs> they're only it, they're it, cherry picking the best ones and it's all packaged be, together it's not going to be a hunt you know by the time you get to sort of the 90th best one it's just not going to be a brilliant I, goal but, but that's what was so good about it Max I don't think it was ranking them in I, it as I remember it, it was just a totally random <laughs> there was no narrative or so it was just here are a hundred goals all of a roughly some standard. And the sa- I mean, save, save, saves. The idea of... And these were expensive. What's so funny is that, like, VHSs... I mean, this would... When I started, what it would have been... I don't know. This was kind of early mid... No, mid-90s, really. Mm. But, you know, you're, they, these costs... I remember, like, £15 yeah. or something for just one VHS. It was a lot of money. And, like, it wasn't as if I or my brother was a goalkeeping enthusiast. But you'd go, you'd go out and you'd get your save, save, saves. And, I mean, that must have got pretty boring pretty quickly watching Agrizovic and the like sort of making very routine stops. <laughs> Let's talk I don't about- know. I would watch that. I would watch that now. Imagine, I still would happily watch that. Imagine explaining to a child today, Max, that we used to watch goals of keepers making saves and nothing else when we were kids. Saves galore was another one. The you forerunner said, you know, they, to save, save, saves. Have they, you know, ha- has this, the quality remained the same? Whenever somebody released one of these DVD, like DVDs sort of 20 years later, they would come on Soccer M to plug it, right? Yeah. And some of them were really ropey, like really, really ropey. And every time a guest came on, singer, band, actor, whatever, I would say, I watched that, I listened to that, and I enjoyed it. I'd always say, I didn't say, do you know what, mate? Actually, I watched that DVD, and it was shite. So are you talking it, about sort of comedian vehicle yeah, blooper videos? Yeah, right? yeah. Oh, yeah. Because, but part of the problem was the the, the right. We did one, like Soccer M did about five DVDs, and we did one, and the footage that we had, because it was so expensive, was terrible. <laughs> it was so shit, this DVD, right? And, like, they they were filming a behind-the-scenes bit of, like, you know, like, the making of the DVD. And they came to me on the sofa, like, halfway through the day, the shoot, going, how's this, how's it all going? And I knew the, I knew it was bad, like, because we'd, 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 like, we had to, like, film this in the middle of just a normal week. So we were making the show one Saturday, the next Saturday. We didn't really have time to, the, the jokes were even worse than normal, right? Everything was bad about this. And I just remember sort of going, 
Uh, yeah, I just couldn't even bluff it to the making of team. It was just bad. So like somewhere, someone has footage of asking me back on on set how the shooting's going. Me just going, this really isn't very good. And, <laughs> and someone found it in a bargain bucket for one p. Oh, one p. I think three is better than one p. That is, isn't it? yeah, that's just sarcastic, isn't it? One p. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I was always um, fascinated, Max, by the kind of the inflation of the number of goals you would see on these. Um, the classic, the the benchmark for the genre is, of course, 101 great correct, goals. Correct. It, ex- it exists on YouTube and in only one place. I feel like someone, I feel like the BFI should get hold of it and make sure that it's it's held for posterity. So that's the greatest one. Then um, 501 great goals emerged, which, of course, the, the quality was absolutely shocking um, because of, you know, they had so much more to play with and the, the quality control just dipped suddenly. And the, But then there was 502 great goals, which was absolutely sensational for no reason whatsoever. It just, it just really nailed the era of, of late 80s, 90s, bit of FA Cup in there. And then the DVD era came and the, uh, the duration restrictions were removed and every club seemed to release a 1001 greatest goals yes. dv that's too many a thousand one's too many right are we can we safely say that even for the most staunch rotherham fan by goal 706 you're like oh i just don't know i just don't know if i can get through Want all some of it training or whatever yeah, like exactly that. yeah but even as well now i mean you mentioned before max end of season vhs's and how unbelievably important they were to the fact you know you'd watch them over and over again you'd know the commentary inside out and that but that is a really good way of sort of consuming a season just gone I don't know if that still exists you know what do you do do they still bring out does every club still bring out a DVD or no do one's a got a DVD review? player no one's well, yeah, got exactly. a DVD like, player do they but even but they don't I don't feel like they're hosting it on their channels no. you know a sort of season a two hour season review exactly. was perfect perhaps yeah. this is a gap in the market Cambridge United asked me not this not last season when we weren't promoted the season before if I would voice over like voice the season review oh wow right and like we came like 16th and I think we're like we had more clean sheets than anyone, but also the most goalless draws. Like, it was a really boring season. And I was like, I will do it, but I can't do it. <laughs> I can't pretend this is. <laughs> I can't pretend, right? It wasn't an exciting season. It's not you know, a difficult they, gig. It's not no, a difficult and, gig. And, and and you know, I don't know what my my integrity is is inconsistent. But I was like, I've, I've got to be honest here. Like football fans understand, and so and they sent me this like really moody like well shot video of the abbey but the abbey is like it's like a tiny little tin pot ground i love it but it's <laughs> but you know so it would just go i just i'd look at the the shot and i'd be like all i can say there is corrugated roof like like that's all it is like like they've, they've just flashed in on a floodlight and then for some reason they didn't ask me to actually do it once i'd sent in what what I, what, what my idea for the review was so i mean history tells me, Max, that um, all you need to remember to be the voiceover guy for season review videos is just say uh, the nickname of the team and what l- league position they were going into a certain month. The U's went into September <laughs> in 16th place, <laughs> yeah. just just four points ahead of blah, blah, blah. That's all you need to know. And the rest takes care of itself as far yeah, as I'm concerned. You're probably right. You're probably right. right. Um, um, let's creep nearer to the modern day, can we? Let's hear about your third love of football. I mean, I don't think this is going anywhere nearer the modern oh, day. Um, th- this is oh, look, football was better when you're ten, right? That's that is a truth of it. This is Fine. the target. This is the target man, okay. and everything. I was going to pick just flick-ons, but I thought that was incredibly niche. But I, I do, I love a flick-on. 
Like, I really appreciate it when a centre forward gets up above we a centre We can do back. flick-ons. Don't worry. We'll talk but, about but, flick-ons. But, but, and, but, you know, I, and I don't know which of these, and, and you, would have, you would have worked out already, I'm sure, by episode 100 and what number is this? 172. 172. Whether they are either a dying breed or an endangered species, but they're one of the two, aren't they, right? <laughs> yep. Because you can't just be a big man, but slow these days. You have to be a big man who can also catch up with the flick on because you're quite often on your own but there's just something about a target man he has to look absolutely shattered after about three minutes um he has to (laughs) uh, uh, you mentioned john taylor earlier in the pod like i was blessed with Dion dublin and john taylor who were target men who scored goals and they were both target men so i grew up watching big man big man which is you know (laughs) that doesn't often happen i guess sheringham cascarino you could say but sheringham's almost too good to be just seen as a Mm. target man i think he's sort of the ultimate because he, he, I mean, I loved, I was I was sort of on the Sheringham bandwagon in the mid-90s when people were going, it's got to be Sheeran Ferdinand. I was just like, no, it's all, Sheringham is just mm. the first. And with a target man, obviously, the first sort of 20 to 50 yards have to be in his head. That's, uh, whoa, 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 20 yards in his head? <laughs> <laughs> I take back my opening gambit of you right. just getting it. What right, planet okay, okay, are you okay. on? Okay, uh, but one of my favourite, like like a really wonderful target man moment is when a fullback launches it to a target man and he brings it down on his chest and then he holds on because he's obviously got a big backside and like nobody can get the ball off him and he looks around for what seems like an age and then he just plays a neat side foot pass back to the fullback who had previously launched it to his chest <laughs> to a ripple of applause. And I just feel we don't... We don't have that. That's what we call enough. link up play now. Yeah, don't we? That, yeah, it's, yeah, absolutely. And I just, I love a big man, little man partnership. I love, you know, a four four two, and I love a target man. I love Steve Howard and Grant Holt, and you know, Devon White and Robbie Turner and these guys. You know, they're Culverhouse. <laughs> they, um, they're not. They're slow, but they're good. Yeah, and they're and they're incredibly physically solid. And I would like to offer the target man. We're going to get on to why I don't think this is necessarily a nostalgic thing. I think that okay. th- th- there will still be remnants of this that to cling mm. on to in the modern day. But the Baz um, Dosts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But um, Chris it's Wood. more subtle than this. We'll, we'll get to it. Don't worry. But before I will discuss any of this, Max, as a as a confirmed lover of the target man, how do you feel about the word beanpole? Is it okay, or is it? Is it too disparaging? Is you see, it, when, it focus when too I, much on physical? See, see when I oddities? hear beanpole, I'm think I think of more a sort of Ian Ormondroid. <laughs> I knew it was going to be Ormondroid. Why did I know it was Ormondroid? <laughs> I think of a lanky winger. You know, yeah, it's, I, what, bean, it's lanky, beanpole, isn't it? Is, yeah, beanpole has to be lanky. Yeah, you can't have a beanpole winger. What? Are yeah, you doing? I don't think they're a winger, but I think a beanpole is like Peter Crouch. Yeah, yeah. It's, so, it's not, but that's not the kind of beefy physical guy. Yeah. Sorry, Ian Olney. Ian Olney was the beanpole winger. Wasn't he? And Ormondroid was the only bean- was the winger. Ormondroid yeah. was six foot five and right. basically the proto crouch. But, but you're yeah. not telling me that Ian Olney wasn't a beanpole. Can't be a beanpole winger. You can't. It's that is the but, rules of physics like, um, do not I, allow I, it. I, I don't disagree with you, but there he was. Yeah, beanpoling away on, <laughs> on, on the wing. Um, I'm not. I'm not happy with beanpole as a. I understand that some target man could be seen as beanpoles, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't use that term generically, no. Okay, so let's let's think of the primary functions of a target man, Charlie. Uh, we talked about flick-ons, first of all. The flick-on is um, obviously a very British thing, but it is a quite a subtle art as well. We should be proud of the flick-ons that we have cultivated 
over the decades. Um, Flick-ons are so important. You look back at great important goals, you think, oh my God, thank God mm. he got his head on that when this towering centre-half could easily have cleared it upfield. Yeah, it's a real... Um, it does kind of change the whole pattern because the de- a defender commits himself. Mm. So there often are. I mean, I think in the, the Lucas Moura, that famous goal that he scores against Ajax... There's a flick on in the build-up to that, which takes the defender out of the equation. Um, is that Fernando Lorente? I mean, Lorente is yes. like a beautiful target man. He, he's, he's a, yeah, exactly, a kind of ideal target man to bring on. I mean, there was one, actually, Kane did one last season where he flicked it on to Son, which was kind of a slightly deluxe flick on because he weighted it perfectly as well. But it showed there is still a place in the modern game for, for the humble flick on. On flick ons, now, they are usually quite, a deliberate acts. They're usually almost, almost sort of semi-targeted, Max. You know, they're, they're the pattern of play that's been trained there. But the Sunday League flick-on is an, an art installation in itself because um, we, we've all attempted to play centre-forward at one, one stage or another. And <laughs> just having to act out what you think a target man should be doing with a flick-on. It's usually with a, th- like a, a massive long goal kick upfield. And you sort of, sort of just direct it behind you in the hope that someone's <laughs> going to latch onto it. <laughs> Latching on... <laughs> Is yeah. the is the official way of receiving a flick on? By the way, I mean, there, there, there's a level of Sunday League flick on where you could you could almost do it in a straight jacket. You know, like, like you could <laughs> like, like like some some Sunday League centre forwards will will not use their arms at all, but will just jump and sort of lean back. But I, that is the role that I played for most of my career, and you know, enjoyed it tremendously. Um, and and long throws, long throws, absolutely key. And and the, the the key there is to put someone else in front of you, so then they go toes and they go toes on the guy in front, and it goes over him, mm, and nice. then you've got a, then you've got a free run oh, for good. a flick on. This is great. Um, if I can tell a, a bad charity football match anecdote about Please a flick do. on, I once played in a sort of budget soccer raid at Old Trafford, yep. where it was kind of um, it was Man United ex pros and celebrities in inverted commas who supported Man United against just ex-pros and inverted commas celebrities and it was a Saturday so I just finished Soccer M I got the train up to Manchester and Joe Royal was the manager of our team and he said okay you know read out the second half team and what a target man he was in his day oh, by well, the way. absolutely yeah by the way and I was up front with Ian Rush and uh this is Rushton Rush absolute dream and I sort of said to Ian Rush I said look you sit on the last man and I'll... Oh, my you God. Know, you know, <laughs> and he said, he just said, oh, shut up. But anyway, it was nil-nil at half time, and I set up a couple. I set up one for Ugo Ehiog, may he rest in peace, and one for Ralph Little, right? as is just like absolutely perfect for a charity football yes. match. But obviously these games are played out really like, like the ball is just always played out from the, from the you know, to the, the fullback from the keeper. But I was just yelling at our keeper, Dave Besson, could he please just ping one up there because I wanted to win a flick on. Yeah. Because... At 2-0, they bought on their first-choice centre-backs again, which were Ronnie Johnson and Yap Stam. Oh. Right? <laughs> Yap Stam was only about 36 at the time. Like, he wasn't. And you could just hear him going, Ronnie, Ronnie. It was just absolutely terrifying. And Dave Besson pinged this ball, you know, on a six It was like an absolute beautiful strike of a football. And I, it was coming straight from my head. And I was like, this is great. And I was, you know, I'm, I'm not the straight jacket. You know, I'd, I'd use a bit of leverage. I'm sort of okay in the, in the air for my level. And the ball's coming down and I'm jumping and I'm thinking, I'm, 
I've got this. I'm going to win a header against Yapstan. I don't care. What, <laughs> I don't I want to score a goal. I don't need anything else. I just win a flick on against Yapstan. And literally, as the ball is kind of nestling on the top of my hair, I'm absolutely flattened. But I mean, literally flattened by this man. <laughs> and my face, like my face, I didn't have time really to put my arms out. I just go straight into the turf. And he must have headed the ball probably like back out for a goal kick. <laughs> like it was just the level of the absolute, just... You know, you know when like a amateur footballer centre back wins a couple of heads, you think, oh, it's going to be tough today. Mm. But this was just like <laughs> before. I was wasn't sure it was a different game, but this was the moment when I realised it's a different game for them. Didn't put his fingers up your ass though, did he? <laughs> <laughs> you fuck, you fucking love. I can't do a, a Dutch. You fucking love it, mate. I won't even bother. No, to try. that's a level of seediness. This podcast really doesn't require. Uh, I'll tell you one one um, universal piece of target man body language this this is relevant from from under nines all the way up to the champions league charlie which is at goal kicks almost like the scenario that max has painted with with dave besant here just putting your hand in the air to say right this is it i want it mm. as, as as if they hadn't mm. spotted you yeah as if the idea hadn't gone into their heads like, i want it i'm in no space at all like literally but i know i'm i'm just absolutely here to win this header i do that even to this day it's very performative isn't yeah. it yeah yeah Playing for the University of Melbourne old boys. I am still sticking my hand in the air going, just stick it on my head. Final point on target men. This comes from listener Nick Parmenter, who says, what makes a target man? One word, elbows. And mm. Charlie, it reminded me of a, of a story I'd heard once. I've never heard substantiated by anybody, but I, I've seen it dotted around on the internet. Do you know the name of the famous grizzled target man who once soaked their elbows in vinegar? Oh, good. Wow. No. <laughs> Max? Ah, it's not that really violent. If you, Whenever you talk to old footballers about violence, they always bring up the same name. It's not that guy. I know who you mean. Like, he, like, he would probably... <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can't remember dead. his name either. Um, um, but it, it, it's on the way there. He's like, he was... He, this guy would play that guy in the film. Right, okay. No, I don't. I, don't, I think I've heard the story, but tell me. Mick Harford is yes. the uh, yeah. elbows uh. in vinegar guy. Well, what's the science? Like, for once in my life, Max, I actually want Jeff Shreves to ask the question, what's yeah. the thinking there? <laughs> I want to know what's the science is, behind is vinegars it, and elbows. Do you think Mick Harford was a keen conker player and he knew that the, the vinegars worked well with conkers, so maybe it would be the same with elbows? That can only know. be it. That can only be it. Imagine playing elbows with Mick Harford in the, in the playground. <laughs> right, we're going to do it. Come on. Oh, look at that. That is wonderful. Brought to your ears by The Athletic. This is Football Clichés. You're listening to Meza Harland Dix with our guest, Max Rushton, a man who was born for this format. And boy, is he showing it. Max. Hello. You've got some live shows. For yeah. Guardian um, which ones haven't you sold yet? Well, ideally, this would come out, this pod, before the show at Birmingham Town Hall, which was two Wednesdays ago. So that ship has sailed. But yeah, obviously, the, the, uh, you know, the, the, the Guardian Athletic beef... I don't know how beefy it is, but you know they That's weren't fine. that keen for me to come on to this Hands podcast. Hands across the and divide. Until we, until we hadn't sold out, until we probably booked one too many nights at the Hackney Empire. What we're trying to do is forty-six get up- quid. What? Forty-six no, quid. No, no, no. There's like two rows. That I'm are sure, it'll be good. I'll be good. There are two rows that are gone already. There's no more forty. It's twenty-six quid, I think. <laughs> um, but I'm just between two nights at the Hackney Empire. Can we get Stephen Lidge's average attendance? That's what we're trying to do. 
Friday the 8th of July. It's me, Barry Glendenning, Jonathan Wilson, Troy Townsend, Nikki Bandini. Saturday the 9th of July, Barry again, Sid Lowe, Barney Ronay, Ellis James. I mean, they are two They are two excellent lineups. You can't disagree with that sort of quality uh, I of think a lineup. Charlie, I think, Charlie, those lineups qualify for reading like a who's who. Mm. Uh, mm. Uh, people, re- people really do abuse the reading like a who's who, but I think those qualify as reading like a who's who. So what we need is we need everyone that comes to your sold out gig in Hackney, arguably a smaller, well, not arguably, is a smaller venue. Arguably. <laughs> as, a, as a literally small boutique. Um, to an extent yeah, smaller. If you could all just stay in Hackney and just for the next two nights, there's lots to do there, come to both of our shows, then we'd probably fill it twice. So that would be really useful. Um, myticket.co.uk, search Guardian Football Weekly, and the Saturday show is going to be streamed live around all of Earth, so everyone oh, can watch it. there you go. Hmm. Oh, well. Friday the 8th of July, uh, Nikki, Wilson, Troy and Barry. Saturday the 9th of July, me, Barry, Sid, Barney, Ellis, myticket.co.uk, please all come yeah I mean the two shows complement each other I'm sure they really do yeah we like the dessert I think yours is the main course which is the way I like it it's the way it's fine it's absolutely fine but um you're welcome to come if you want to 46 for you 46 (laughs) 50 quid for you or when you throw in the program and the the food for the kids and the trains are you doing merch look at 100 quid we're doing merch now so there is like there's a David Squires has drawn a print for a t-shirt it's really good shameless he's a real talent absolutely shameless but then the Guardian is always been about making as much money as possible hasn't it <laughs> fleecing the punters that's what we're here to do <laughs> you've gone too far over the divide <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway you're listening to Meza Holodix with Max Rushton it's time to hear your hatreds of football can you pluralise hatreds hope so tell us about your first one uh, really enjoy this one we're going to have great fun okay I, I mean the interesting thing I'm sure other people have found this that you discover you hate more things about football than you love quite yep. quickly uh, okay so number one is Football social media accounts asking fucking mundane questions. Um, Just to give you an example of a few, um, just from various. Finish this sentence. Manchester is blank. Finish this sentence. (laughs) Manchester United's next penalty taker will be blank. Finish this sentence. To get anything out of this game, Man United need blank. North London is blank. The biggest problem at Man United is blank. You, like that, there are very few things that Twitter can do, but you can actually write a full sentence. Why don't you write a full sentence? I absolutely finish this sentence is my my most hated, but there are okay, others. Okay. There are yeah. others that I hate. I hate during a game a player is offside. Right? You might not like the offside goal, but we know what it is. And then they'll just put up a picture going, "Was this offside?" Well, of course it was fucking offside. <laughs> like, like it was offside. Like what? Are you, there are things to get upset about with football that is not one it's when they just say you know write down your favorite player using just emojis like <laughs> I, I know this isn't for me but i know at some point you'll say this isn't this contact is not aimed at middle-aged man you know or like who is the bigger club like for man united <laughs> rt for liverpool like why don't you just say who do you support just just do that who do you support end it now oh i just love, love the passion here Love the passion. Absolutely mind numbing. It's just enough to make you ah just get so furious about about just just stop writing this. Why? I know it's good to get interactions, right? That is some good for some reason. Where you get more followers, blah blah blah. But of course, stop sending them to me. 
Mm. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I, I admire that Max isn't phoning it in here, Charlie. This is genuine, genuine hatred for this phenomenon. Um, and he rightly points out, Charlie, that, that it's important to get engagement and, and get football fans talking. But I do have to, I, I must say, as an observer of this sort of thing, across the board, uh, and I know Max is worried about looking old here, but I don't think it's an issue. I do wonder why football audience get treated like children. Like, why mm. are we addressing them like children? Or, or almost, it's almost like, it's almost ageless. It's almost treating just people like idiots. So like, why don't you just ask them normal questions, like things that people are actually interested in? <laughs> questions perhaps like we might pose on this podcast. Niche things that people might care about. Yeah, it annoys me so much as well when they're, when accounts do things that they think show that they get it or mm. that they're sort of in tune with the football fan. And it's just it's so wrong. And I mean, I've had this, you know, feeling like an old man. You know, I'll, I'll sometimes go on. I'll be like, the last seven tweets have really annoyed me that I've scrolled down through. Yeah. It's like what you know. They're all just, just sort of meaningless stuff, um, and yeah, trying to incite kind of debate. I mean, I don't know. There, there, there are some as you know the kind of what player do you think of when you see this kit, which has sort of become quite a big. Oh, that's all right because that's a vibe, isn't it? Yeah, I don't mind that because at least that sort of stirs something, and it's kind of it's it's not trying to provoke argument. Things like that, I think, work. It is when they, they are trying to, yeah, the, the, the offside one's a good example where it's just kind of, what are you hoping to get out of this? Whenever they write the, big, the biggest problem at insert club is, I always reply parking. And I just, <laughs> just yeah, it, doesn't oh, get any, it doesn't get any response. No one really likes it, but it's just my sort of one man protest to this completely <laughs> daft question. Did you see there was one? Recently, I think the Premier League are doing what they did one that I thought I was going to hate, and they said, "Look, send us a flag, and we'll send you a player." I was like, "Well, they're not, you're not going to give me the player." But then, like mm. somebody would send like the US flag, and then they'd actually show a Clint Dempsey goal. I thought, "Okay, I don't, <laughs> I don't hate that. I'm watching all these goals now." But the, recently, they've started like doing who is this player with like two bar charts, and one will say pace, and it'll be yeah. full, and one will say end product, and it'll be nothing. Is that? I mean, I just that's that's not for me either. I still think it's getting there to furthering football discourse. It's it's a little bit. There's a little bit of imagination okay. that's gone there. Okay. I mean, it it still might inspire some very basic opinions, but that's okay. It's it's a welcome development. It isn't just you know tell us you support Liverpool basically, mm. which is nice. No, this is a good start. Tell us about tell us about your second hatred of football. I don't know what this one is, mm-hmm. uh, but there are so many worlds of possibilities inside it. So so what I sent to you was the very specific ex footballer opening banter gambit. And this is perhaps some way of, you know, the sort of alpha just trying to dominate straight away. But if you if you spend time with ex-footballers and it is that literally as you walk, as either they walk into the room or you walk into the room, the classic opening line will be it is sartorial based and it will be something like, where'd you get your trousers from? Stupid trouser land. <laughs> or like, you know, who who dressed you? Your mother. Or like if you're wearing like a polo shirt, somebody like, well, when are you playing golf then? You're not playing golf today, <laughs> are you, mate? Or it's just sort of, it's sort of like it, it, it speaks of the utter relentlessness of what a dressing room 
Ingram yes. must mm, be like. Yeah. And it's yeah. just like, I just, <laughs> I've, just walked into, I've just walked into work. I'm wearing a T-shirt and jeans. Like, it's totally fine. Can't you just say, hi, how are you? I'm all right. It's like 5.30. And sometimes it's like, you know, you're doing the breakfast show. It's like quarter past five in the morning. Like, I just, I'm not ready for like high octane chat yet. I just want... You're right. Here, the papers. Do you want a cup of tea? Like that's the sort of level. I mean, I once had quite a strong debate about Brexit with Sam Allardyce at five thirty in the morning, mm. um, which was sort of a bit too heavy for that. But at least it wasn't just, you know. Did he manage to convince you of the merits of the Remain campaign? Well, <laughs> he, he. I think it ended with me saying, "Just name one law, Sam. <laughs> maybe, maybe we'll leave. We'll park this at five fifty-eight. I, uh, you know, just don't need." Or, or if you cycle in and you're holding a cycle helmet, they'll just go, how'd you get to work? You'll be like, well, obviously, like, you know, it's just like, you can see I'm holding a cycle. Of course I, I've cycled to work. Like, oh, anyway, it's, it's pretty niche because it probably doesn't happen to a lot of, a lot of people listening don't spend a lot of time just sort of walking into rooms where there are ex-footballers. But it's just something you just want to say, oh, just start with how are you? And then we'll get on to, you know, where are your shoes from? Stupid shoe house. Like it's and it's always it's always. Who was like, that? Come on, who was that? I can't. No, I can't give it. <laughs> Producer Dave uh, will know quite a lot of these are. Uh, right. But like yep. I, uh, I, I'm not going to name names but like so life in the talk sport pressure cooker of banter. Mm. But I mean, Charlie. I mean, this 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 feels like a perfectly natural thing to to happen, especially for sort of retired players, because to their credit. They have a lot of avenues in for early exchanges of banter, as we've previously discussed in this podcast. You have clobber, as it must, you know, compulsorily be called in football. Golf skills, golf, yeah. Uh, what car you've got? Um, there are so many ways in. I mean, it's all very superficial stuff, but it it really does um, lubricate conversation. And I guess like the way we've spoken about before, how when you play with former footballers, the muscle memory kicks in, and they still take it really seriously. I guess. The banter, there's a similar thing as well, where that muscle memory of being in a dressing room, as Max says, and dishing it out for clobber, very hard to lose that, I expect. It's so ingrained. You hang up your boots, but you never hang up your banter, do you, Max? Mm. But, you know, but that that whole part of, you know, those sort of stories from the 90s, go, he was so funny, he shat in my shoe. And I'm like, that's <laughs> not funny. Like, it isn't <laughs> funny. I, I went on a football tour once, and actually they got the wrong, because we were, we were like, it was our first tour, and apparently you had to be sort of like taught a lesson if it's your first tour. And they got our room wrong, so they rearranged somebody's room. Like, just don't, why would you... I've just got to put it back again. And then we don't know. We're just, it's just like, there's no need for that. Don't cut my, Pointless, don't cut do think, my shoes up. I don't do need that. It, like, like leave my shoes whole. <laughs> then I'll still be able to use them. Like all these things. It's quite normal things. The first, when I see anybody, even my best friends, or I know the best, I really often start with, hey mate, how are you? And it just seems <laughs> to work. Like it's just, it doesn't need to be stronger than that. You touched on something there though, Max. Because I've read Footballers Autobiographies, some of, and in some of them, they tell those hilarious stories and they'll say things like, you know, and the foreign lads were baffled. They didn't know what was, I mean, they loved it, but they didn't have a clip. They, you know, they barely were cracking a smile. It's like, yeah, they're probably thinking like, what are you doing? And not finding it very funny at all. And, and actually it doesn't sound all that funny. Let's start to give some of their banter some credit, right? Max, the next foreign friend I make who doesn't have a great command of the English language, I'm going to teach them swear words first. Okay. That's, 
that good, that, that sounds okay. like quite good fun. I feel yeah. like footballers have have nailed that bit. That seems like quite a good fun thing to do. But you're not going to like urinate in their bag, are you? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, fair enough. I mean, yeah, it's it's um, a very exclusive scenario that you've presented here, Max. But um, but I now hope that if anyone listening is pre- is ever going to encounter it, they are fully prepared for what's about to face them. Tell us about your third and final irritation slash hatred of football. Well, I first want to say I was slightly annoyed that you didn't accept on my long list football's obsession with the nutmeg because that is something that really does really annoy me, especially like whenever someone is nutmegged in any kind of training session, everybody falls on the floor. Like it's an absolutely mm. extraordinary yeah, moment. you sound too old. You're sounding <laughs> too old already. Sorry. Just, you know, and I look, listen. You I, do sound too Carry on, Charlie. No, you do sound old, but can I say, I did showing, I mean, I was probably one of those, I remember being like in my mid-teens and finding it really annoying when the same thing would happen and someone would get like loads of love for nutmeg, but they wouldn't go anywhere with mm. it. And I always thought, unless it helps you, 100%. why are you applauding yeah, this? Yeah. Like, then it's just, it's just point, like I'd rather just, someone you know I'd rather someone just beat them with pace and than now, do a nutmeg that didn't actually go anywhere or they lost the ball straight away they lost the ball but it's still like oh you got nutmeg it's like yeah he had to do that to give the ball away to my team imagine if they did do it for beating players with pace where someone just sort of ran past someone with a ball just knocked it past them and, and picked it up at the other end and everyone just went ah yeah, but now but now like freestylers are just nutmegging unsuspecting passers by in town squares and everyone's going oh my god I can't believe it and you're like well, Janet was just going to budgeons like she's not even part of this um, okay so like, parking that it is five aside players who refuse to play the way they're facing good specific we like this um, tell me tell me the very describe this scenario then like what's happening and why does it annoy you the scenario is right it's normally a player who's actually quite good at football, technically good at football, but hasn't got a footballing brain, mainly because they were, they've been good since they were young, so they haven't learned how to play the game. And it's, it's often because, well, in my mind, a five-side football, which is quite short, right? If you go all the way back, it's not going to take long to go all the way forwards again. But there are some players who want to do too much, one, and to see it as some kind of crime. I had a f- computer game on the Amstrad called Gary Lineker's Superstar Soccer, I think. And whenever yep. you kicked the ball, it shot, which is sort of quite apt for Gary Lineker. <laughs> but it was like you couldn't, like, it didn't matter which way you were facing, it would just spin you around and kick it towards the goal. Okay, that's <laughs> annoying. And it is like... You don't. You're not going to score from there, or like you're not going to thread that impossible pass. Let's just start. Let's start again. I shout start again a lot on a five-a-side. Mm. Come home. Come home. Come home. Come home. I shout come home, and I'm I'm often playing that role in five-a-side. Nice role to play, and because uh, if you're slow, you can still do that. But just let's just keep moving the ball. Let's move the ball. Don't hold on to it, and just play the way you're facing. Please, just don't. Just don't try and do too much. You'll end up just in the corner, just like just twatting away, and then you're just and then and then one of their defenders will just be leaning behind you, and it's like this is not what people have paid to see, right? Just, wanna, <laughs> just, just move the ball. That's how you win five-a-side football: is move the ball quickly, don't hog it, and play the way you're facing. Who's paying to watch you play five-a-side? Um, <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> um, now you you touched upon it there, and uh, Charlie, this is one of those moments where I really don't care how many times we've talked about it on this podcast. We will talk about it once more. Max suggests this 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 person may be sort of a, of natural ability but hasn't kind of acclimatised themselves to team football, the team environment. And uh, so that therefore they're completely alienated from the concept that is back if you need, yes. home if you need. I was literally going to say the if you need, I really like. If you need. One of my, it's really, I love that. A friend of mine in particular has always done an if you need. 
And it's really, it's as if he said, like, don't think you have to, but I am here if you need to. See, actually, I, sorry to interrupt. Go, if, go you, if you need is incorrect, it's you should be doing, like, literally, yeah. like, you know, I, I'm, I'm saying if you need, but I don't mean it. What I mean is, I've given it to you, but give it straight back. Like that is not a crime. You do need. It's like you need to do this. It's it's not it's not like it doesn't show that you're a limited footballer if you just do a side foot pass to the person who played it to you. It's, yeah. It's the right thing to do to keep the ball moving because the team we're playing they're not going to track us all if we just keep it simple. I just it's it just it only strikes me when we talk about it, Charlie. Just how comforting these words are. Back if you need, come home. Come, um, home. come home, please come home. <laughs> um, yeah, these little tender sort of meaningful moments in the middle of the five-a-side maelstrom. Yeah, just easy, just keep it easy. Yeah. Do you find, because I find I'm sort of polite at the start, especially with a new game when you don't know, by like, even by the end of, say, game two with some people, I'm shouting feet so loudly, right? So I'm a loud five-a-side footballer and that is, but hopefully I think that's one. part of the appeal. I think but you like, have to be a shouter, definitely. Feet, like, just do it. Like, like I'm, I'm in acres. I'm mm. in acres. Like, I'm not going to, I'm just going to play a simple pass that way. I'm not going to try anything fancy. Just just don't try anything fancy. Not marking is what kills me. I really struggle not to, uh, you know, especially when it's people you know can. I get it if people just, you know, they don't, they're, they're, they're not fit or whatever. Yeah, okay, yeah. that's one thing. When people are and they just can't be asked to mark mm. and the whole thing falls apart because as soon as one doesn't mark, 100%. then you may as well all just, just go track home. your man. Track your man. Team who track yeah, their men just track will your man. win the game. It's that simple. But if only you could see <laughs> the ultra serious look on Max's face. Um, I wanted to branch this out with our listeners. I went. I asked our listeners about their their irritating habits of their five-a-side colleagues. And uh, Chelsea's got in touch and says, um, a guy in the group of my weekly game starts a five-minute countdown on his Apple Watch and storms out of goal the second it's over. Oh, no. He says, what? assessing your stint in goal should be like jazz, more freeform and dependent on variable factors such as dropping a clanger. He's absolutely right. Um, your stint in goal, Charlie, shouldn't be dictated by time alone. It's a vibe, isn't it? Everybody knows mm. when it's time for someone to come out and someone else to go in. Yeah, I've never, I've never known anyone to, um, to actually time it in that way. I mean, what, something I'd say is, you know... It, Quick, let's do quick changeovers of keepers. It's a warm day. We, you know, we don't want to get knackered. Let's just keep doing that quickly. But again, that's a vague. That's not a, right, we're doing two minutes today. I mean, there are that's a so many people try and codify this, Max. I mean, uh, of course, you know, uh, the person in this anecdote is trying to time it, which seems logical, but is also brutal and silly. Mm-hmm. Um, some people like to do the sort of concede two and you're out, which is fraught with danger. Absolutely no, terrible. You can't yeah. incentivize that. Yeah. Absolute rubbish. I think... Um, what you really want is there's always there's quite often one keeper at on the pitch and you say so you're desperately hoping that you are in that team that is like a one of the biggest wins that is like such a relief isn't it or just somebody to get a bit of a calf strain right that is just yeah. that's the ultimate because then but you then know they're also rubbish in goal at the that's because true. of that but that's oh. a really important point is when you're in goal you can't just give up a because you're quite useful. You you are a feat if you need, right? Yeah. Uh, obviously, not going to give it straight back to the person who's given it to you. No. But um, but but like you've got to try because the the worst bit is if you know they don't. Someone goes in. It's normally the person who hasn't gone in goal. It's normally the same player who doesn't play the way they're facing who then goes in and doesn't try their best, and so then they just concede. Then you're just like, oh, just get them out. Just get them out of goal because you know they're not trying because there are a lot of shots in five aside. 
Like, and actually, mm. you can be seven-one down just because they've got a keeper, right? Sometimes it's just I, I see a win as just getting a shot away. Really, gets the shot away. Another interesting thing about five-a-side, I think, is there are two types of five-a-side player: the ones who still play eleven-a-side who just don't care. It's just good fitness. That's that's how I see five-a-side. It's just a nice kickabout. And the ones who've stopped playing eleven-a-side for whom it really matters and are going, it is not eight-seven. It's eight-six, and you're like, oh, it doesn't. This is okay. It doesn't. You know, it's not a problem here. And but this, I've never played power league because then it gets really. Once you put people in a cage, it can get very violent. It can get really quite. Aggressive. You mean you never played the actual league? I've never played or in the. You just never played in a I've power played league. In, I've played in those, you know, in like goals and those places. Obviously, yeah, yeah, but yeah, I've yeah. never played in the power league. I've never played in a five-a-side league. It's too many. That it's too intense. Yeah, it, it is intense. so. That's amongst the most like violent, intense. Uh, that I mean, yeah, we played in that for a bit, that, and it was like. That cage environment, going into the corner with people who are not letting you out of the corner. Yeah, I don't love football that much. Basically, it, it, you know, as much as I've absorbed it over the years, I just don't love football that much. The happy medium is playing against colleagues. You sort of know them, but not enough for it to become a, a casual, yeah. silly game in I, jeans. I suppose because in eleven aside, um, if it is very violent and you are playing, you know, a, a, the team we mentioned right at the start, you could run away. Right, you know, like like there's sort of open, there's open ground, like there's you know there's places in the cake, the door's shut, you're just in there. So no, mm. that's a step too far for me. Five yep. aside for fitness, eleven aside for staring at the league table on a Sunday morning. Yeah, the authentic experience. Yeah, mm. uh, let's end with two frivolous suggestions from our listeners. Joe Patch, Charlie says we used to have a guy who would spend most of his five aside matches hitching up his shorts like Ronaldo. It was annoying because he was crap. Mm. I mean, I can kind of understand why players would do it. It's, I mean, yeah, it makes you sort of ready for action, but it, it's a weird look and it shouldn't be encouraged. Yeah, I, and I know exactly what it means of people, when people are not very good, but they're doing things because they think they look good or whatever, it's really infuriating. Yeah. It's like, just just tackle your man yeah. would be, and we'd, all, and we'd all like you a lot more. A distant cousin of this in the professional game, Max, is like when a player's coming off with a muscle injury, usually like a thigh or something, they'll pull their shorts up to mm. kind of expose the injury that nobody can see. Why do they do it? I'd love to know. Um, we, we lost a cup final to a team who had a centre forward who'd just been released by Fulham. Who? <laughs> it's just not fair. That's just not no. fair, is it? <laughs> and uh, he scored a hat-trick. And he played with his... I mean, his squads were just absolutely mes- mesmerising. Mm. But he did play with... He played like Ronaldo wears his swimming shorts on Instagram. You know, that yeah. it was just unnes- it was unnecessary. Go and you know? play somewhere else. Exactly. Prop- 100%. Because I reckon the guys normally who do that are the kind of guys who go to the gym a lot and have really good bodies but can't really play football, mm. which is another quite annoying thing. Because I, like, I remember having, you know, occasionally you get a guy who looked amazing but then wouldn't be physical at all. And you're like, well, what a waste. What's mm. It's it? the wrong way What's around. It it's then? the wrong way around. Yeah. All that, all that creatine for nothing. <laughs> exactly. Um, finally, this is from Elliot Flockhart. He says the guy in a yellow shirt refusing to wear a high vis bib, <laughs> completely different colours. Says Elliot. <laughs> um, it's a good point. I mean, I I really don't think that the football playing fraternity. Let me let me rephrase. I really don't think the football playing community have addressed the slippage the and the threshold at which similar colours become different colours for shirts it's it's infuriating and if someone decides not to wear a bib because they think their shirt is close enough that's where society begins to break down max i i agree i mean there's obviously the issue with bibs that you know as we record on the 28th of june at 120 a five-a-side bib has never ever been washed yeah. and that is an issue right i think it would be okay if we started to wash the bib <laughs> I'm, I'm very much uh bring a white shirt 
bring a dark shirt mm. and then we don't need to have the bib debate. I, I would phase bibs out. Actually. I would phase bibs out. Mm. But Charlie, what I mean, what kind of bib would you tolerate? I quite like the sort of meshy ones, the sort of England 1970 air It's got some holes in, but they need to have a piping around it. They can't just be flappy bibs. Yeah, yeah. And, and not that there some are some bibs that there are some bibs that you wear that are such horrible material that on a hot day you just get really warm wearing them. Yeah. I, I, I really don't bibs, like, like them. like the netball style sort of yeah. uncompromising polyester. There's no breathability there. Yeah, exactly. The breathability is yeah. key. But I, I remember once I had a guy organising a game and he, and he did it as like blues v blacks or something. It was like, what are you doing? Like, obviously white and a colour. Like and it was genuinely really confusing. And he was very defensive. He was like, no, it's completely different. There's also, two, two there's also an annoying thing where somebody wants to play two touch and the, t- the players are not good enough to play to and then that just becomes long it's ball unnecessary football it's rule. totally unnecessary mm, I don't know no. what problem you're solving mm. with that um, finally I have to say it's people like me who are keeping this part of society stitched together because I turn up to Five Aside with at least three different colours of shirts in my bag Max. excellent excellent and I'm ready for all situations. And I said, I'll change. I'll change. I'm not happy getting semi-naked in public, but I will change my shirt if I need to. And uh, thank God for people like me. And thank God for people like you on the Football Clichés podcast. Thanks for sharing your loves and hates. How do you feel? It's been therapeutic and fun. And, I, I'm, I, you know, I like listening to the podcast, so it's nice to be on. Interesting to play in the guest role. It's a different yeah. role to play. Mm. You know, it's a bit like going from, you know, centre mid to up front. I couldn't see the whole, I couldn't see the whole of the pod you know, in front of me. And that's sort of what I'm used to doing. So it's a, you know, it's a different role for me. But as long as everybody comes to that, those live gigs in Hackney. Oh, and Glasgow. Shit, I should have said that. 13th of July, If Glasgow. they start saving up now, if they start saving up now, maybe like five quid, five quid a week, they should just about be able to afford it, I think. You can get a Rushton Glendenning half and half scarf. <laughs> I mean, I didn't, I, that wasn't my idea. But look, if somebody gets one, that's nice. Charlie, should we do Guardian and the Athletic half and half? Well, that's what right? I was thinking. That well, yeah, when they it, feels, said, it feels more that when they said should there be a half and half scarf, I said it should be football weekly, and then it should be picture of Jimbo, shouldn't it? Let's face it, that's what you should be on the scarf. You just couldn't get the words out there. You couldn't well, say well, totally football no, show, I couldn't could you? Say it, no, oh. couldn't, couldn't. It's like people who asterisk out the is name of the team going, they don't is it still, support. Still going okay? Is it going okay? Don't know. Don't, don't know. know. Probably right. fine. Looks okay to me. Yeah, I'm looking at the charts on a daily basis. Got some quite good people, haven't they? Why can't we just enjoy both? Yes, that's the spirit. Thank you so much, Max Rushton. Thank you. Thanks to you, Charlie Eccleshare. Thank you. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I'm off to the Foosball World Cup, and we'll see everybody on Monday. The Athletic.